Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely thoughtful, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? So, Jonah, today I wanted to talk about a really incredible restaurant slash diner, kind of in honor of our grandma who passed away about a year ago. You know, our her place has finally been sold. So I don't think we'll have as many opportunities to visit the restaurant slash diner in her building. But man, do we have enough memories to last a lifetime. We do. Yeah. So this restaurant is called Little Pete's. And I don't know how to explain it. They had like 9,000 things on the menu. They had a handwritten menu that they wrote every day that must have taken an hour with I'm not exaggerating. In the restaurant, they had like they had like plastic menus, but then like every day they would drop off to I I don't know if they dropped it off to every apartment or just our grandma's probably somewhere in between (laughs) this like piece of lined paper with like a (laughs) hundred. But it was always kind of the same specials. Yes. It was always like fish with 
choice of rice, you know, carrots, broccoli. Like it was, it was such a long menu when you would go there. It was one of those kind of like, it was like a Greek place, but it was also a diner. So you could also get eggs and you could also get like pasta or fish or truly anything you want. I think lobster, maybe. I never went there. But um, yeah, you could get all kinds of stuff there. And also, our grandma had this really incredibly confusing tipping structure. Right, because they would deliver to her apartment. Because the, the restaurant was in her building. Yeah, so the restaurant's in the building. You can eat there. You can take it to go. You can get it delivered right to your apartment, which is pretty convenient if you ask me. But yeah, our grandma would get it delivered all the time and had an interesting tipping scale. <laughs> like, based on how much she liked the person, I think, she would be like, if it's this person, give them a dollar. This person gets two dollars. It was very hard to to keep track of. Yeah, we, she would really have to tell us, like, if we were doing the tipping, like, here's the amount, like, you know, make sure you stick to it kind of a thing. And then, Vanessa, you had a very controversial order at this place that I definitely want to get into before we introduce our guest. When I used to stay there, which I loved, I would always get this Greek salad that was kind of like the talk of, I mean, uh, you know, our grandma used to get it with our grandpa. They used to split a large. I know they used to split a small salad. Here I come. I'm I'm eating a large. No problem. But so it would be like you know the Greek salad is incredible, and it and it was it was you know it was it was talked up a lot, and I really always enjoyed getting it. But one year I decided that I was going to order it with grilled chicken, and um, just try and get some protein in there, and. I knew that like our grandma would like push back. <laughs> like I knew she would think that that was an insane thing to do. But I was like, you're being crazy. Like you're just at- so anyway. So I said, can I get a Greek salad with grilled chicken? And she was like, I don't what? And I was like, I just want grilled chicken added to it. And she was like, well, then it's not a Greek salad. She was like, then you should just get like a lettuce and and basically. And uh, anyway, she <laughs> She she was like, you can't do that. And I was like, I, I'm pretty sure I can. Can we just ask them if they'll do it? She's like, okay, I, but I don't think they're going to do it. Then meanwhile, my dad calls in the middle of this. He's on speakerphone. And, and my grandma's like, Todd, Vanessa's trying to order a Greek salad with chicken. And my dad's like, that's crazy. And I was like, thanks, dad. Well, could you have come in and been like the, could you have taken my side on this? Anyways, the point is, we called, we ordered a Greek salad. She asked to add chicken. They were completely fine with it. And she was shocked. But I remember, Vanessa, I think I remember I was there. And you I remember you asking me, like, is this weird? Should I ask? I was like, yeah, go ahead. Who cares? Yeah, I, you you helped pump me up to ask. But you, you were right. Your instincts were right. I knew it was going to be a huge deal. And it was. Speaking of huge deals, we have a huge deal guest today on the pod. Today's guest is a triple threat a drummer, composer, podcaster. You may have seen him behind the kit with Motion City Soundtrack or Don't Stop or We'll Die. Listen to him hosting his own podcast, Bizarre Albums. Um, he also does a lot of work now as an on-air producer for podcasts, like Alison Rosen's Your New Best Friend and Andrew Savage, A Grown-Up Woman. He also liked Huey Lewis way before it was ironically cool for everyone to like Huey Lewis. Here he is, Tony Thaxton. Tony. Hey guys, how's hey. it going? It's going all right. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you guys. It's been a long time. Great to see you too. And so much emo cred happening here. You got a braid poster. You got a promise ring sweatshirt. I like it. You know, that's that's, that's the, I mean, you and I's uh, roots, Jonah. That's how we know each other. I feel like so. I had to represent. It's true. It's true. Did you play drums for Braid at one point? 
Or am I imagining that? Yeah, that's that's actually what the the poster is. Because uh, yeah, I, the, I did one short uh, UK tour filling in for Damon, their normal drummer, which was a thrill of a lifetime for me. I'm sure. Very exciting. Yeah, it's like my favorite band playing my favorite record and, and then my favorite drummer asking me to play for him. Like, yeah. And this was like months after I said I was done touring. And I was like, I can't say no to this. That's amazing. Did our, did our story about our grandma and the Greek salad bring up any memories for you? It's okay if it didn't. <laughs> Boy, I really wish I was uh, had something ready to go on that. But I just, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't know enough. This is going to sound really stupid. I don't know enough about salads to know that getting chicken with a Greek salad would be weird. It generally would not, but it was in this case. Now, I, I have to say, Tony, I would say you're part of the reason that this podcast exists. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because Jonah, when when you guys were cool, just some cool dudes hanging in the music, oh, like it's all cool. Jonah used to work on Warp Tour um, when he worked at AP Magazine. And I think this wasn't this on Warp Tour one year. Jonah was working on Warp Tour. I came to it. We saw Motion City soundtrack play, you know, Tony on the drums. Do you shred on the drums? I mean, you name it and I do it. Okay. Okay. Shredding on the drums. I, uh, I, I've got an idea to do an incredibly stupid bit, which is I come up to you guys and I start, <laughs> let's see. I'm trying to think how this started. Well, you should talk about what's what stage in your career you're at at this point, too. Okay, okay. Let me let me say what stage I'm at in my career. I'm basically at stage zero. <laughs> 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 I'm like an improviser in Chicago. I'm, uh, you know, I, I I've got a lot of confidence, you know, little cred, and so I'm just like going to see my cool older brother. He's working on Warp Tour. He's working in, I think, the booth where the bands were. There's autographs. Yeah, we would do the programs. I put out the programs in the morning. Then I would do signings with bands uh, throughout the day. And those of you who aren't familiar with Warp Tour, it's all the hottest rock bands, like uh, punk, kind of punk emo bands. Jonah's giving me such a look of disgust. Play, yes, I think. Uh, sure. Also playing in the hottest temperatures, too. I don't think it's still a thing anymore. But yeah, there were like five or six stages, you know, like 100 bands. Like they changed the lineup every day. It was like a big, they had all these booths. So it was a big festival. Yeah. Jonah at that time, and we've talked about this a little bit before, while I was, when I was just starting my career, was really supportive and would always let me do like extremely stupid kind of like, you know, opening for his band and telling stupid jokes as we've talked about or whatever it was. So anyways, I went up to Tony and the other guys in Motion City Soundtrack. And I think I tried to, in front of their vocal trainer, who I now know, uh, unrelated, but I started like kind of giving them advice on like their sound and like kind of like telling them that they like weren't doing it right as like a bit. <laughs> and I, I just was kind of like in a very condescending way, like being like, you guys do it more up here. Like you sound kind of like just full bit. I guess they just had to stand there and listen to me. And then I signed one of my headshots, which this was one of my Chicago headshots, like from that I had gotten done at like, you know, John Rogers, photographer, you know, whatever. But I had one of my Chicago headshots and I signed it and I said, like, keep reaching for the stars. And then I signed it and then they put it. I, th I think it said keep reaching for stars and one day you just might become one. Yes, that's right. It said, keep reaching for the stars and one day you might just become one. <laughs> keep in mind, again, just an improviser in Chicago, this fully successful band. I'm giving them 
a signed headshot. Like truly such a popular band. So I remember you guys put it in the front of your tour bus, I believe. I might be making that up. It seems like you're Thanks. not. I, yeah, I think I can't. Re- I like remember all this, but it's all it's crazy how long ago this all is now, too. It was like 20 years ago, probably at this point. Yeah. But I remember I'm pretty sure I remember seeing in the front. I lobby. think you guys put it in the front front kind of lobby area of your tour bus. It was really fun. I really got such a high and was so excited to be giving this condescending advice to such a successful band. And a few years later, this was a while later because we didn't start doing sound advice till I had been on SNL for like six seasons or something. Like So anyways, many years later, Jonah and I started this web series called Sound Advice where I would give condescending advice to bands and Jonah and I would write all of these like (laughs) basically burns to bands and we did this web series for a while and realized like once we were doing it that that first like kind of condescending incident with you guys where you all stood patiently and let me insult you was kind of where the idea for sound advice came from and because sound advice was so much fun and we had such a great experience working together on that Jonah and I we were like we got to do a podcast together and now we have How Did We Get Weird? And it's all because of you, Tony. And that's the story. All right. Well, thank you. That's uh, that's amazing. I had no idea. I didn't really put that together. But it also, it's, it's you know, it's amazing because then you just skyrocketed past all of us. So but it turns out maybe not all that condescending. That's true. Well, it actually became a point where we were like, because Vanessa really liked doing that. I was like, I don't think you can do this anymore because now it seems like kind of like you're just an egomaniac. Well, then I had to do it when we did it. I had to do it as a character. Yeah. And it is surprisingly easy for me to act like an egomaniac. So I guess I was just ahead of my time. It's fun. It's fun to do that. I get it. Yeah. And Tony, you have this podcast now, Bizarre Albums, which is is so cool. And it's kind of exploring kind of the weirder side of music, sort of like sound advice in a way. How would you sort of describe Bizarre Albums um, for maybe people who haven't haven't heard it? Because it's kind of this intersection of podcasting and music as well. Yeah. Um, well, first off, it's uh, it's a real quick listen. The episodes are only like 15, 20 minutes long. And each episode focuses on a specific album that was put out by like an actor, or an athlete or fictional character, or sometimes just when like a band took like a sudden really weird change of direction that would just not be what people expect out of them. And it just focuses on those. I do a ton of research and it's not like with guests or anything. I just kind of do a ton of research and use a lot of clips and just sort of tell the story of how this weird record came to be. And yeah, that's, that's really it. But I, I really enjoy doing that. And uh, yeah, there's some, there's some weird records out there. A lot of them I knew about ahead of time, which is kind of how it all started. Cause I would know about these things and then start going down these internet rabbit holes and would be blown away by like, wait, Paul Schaefer played on this weird record, just little things like that. And then it would just keep going and going and going. And, uh, so I just decided to do it. I figured something out there must exist like this. And it turned out, no, at least that I could find. And so I started doing it and people have responded to it. So it's been really fun. That's great. You know, and one of the first albums you featured, I don't know if you remember this, Vanessa, I actually had this on cassette growing up was uh, the 1990 album, The Simpsons Sing the Blues. Yeah, I believe that was my second episode. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. It had doing the Bartman, I believe. I remember doing the Bartman. Which is crazy that that was when it, because yeah, 1990, I think, or 91. It was during like season two. So like... 
The Simpsons was big, but it wasn't like that popular for them to be putting. Yeah. 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 And so for that to be as big of a deal as it was, even though it still wasn't, if you know what I mean? It was just, it was very early on for that to be. And Do the Bartman was like a hit. Like they had a video on MTV and I think it charted and yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's wild. And I know you also covered the chipmunk punk record. I mean, we're getting into cartoons later in this episode, but yeah, I mean, do you think that that's a thing that could be possible now? Like a cartoon having like a popular song in that way? I don't know. I'm so confused by what is popular. now. I've like, I'm officially old now and don't know or understand anything anymore. (laughs) I feel like because none of us have, kid or tony do you have kids okay i was gonna say i didn't think you did but then what if a little kid popped into the frame and i was like like we we're not as like up to date on that stuff but i will say like in a reverse way you know that song baby shark got really popular and my friend max works on like nickelodeon now has a baby shark show like based on the song so it kind of went the opposite way weird was that i know that like became a big thing but like how so, though? Was it just like an internet thing? I'm really confused as to where it came from and all that. I don't know. I I was thinking, did it just get out there the way that like Raffi songs used to get out there? Yeah, I don't know. Like it wasn't played on the radio. Right? It might have been played on like Disney radio or something like that. Producer Doug is saying kids love that song. Doug would know. He's, you know, he's in the biz. He's in the biz. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't understand kids stuff and I also don't understand a lot of adult stuff. Like I feel like I see so much stuff. I recently got back on Twitter. I see so much stuff about NFTs and I cannot wrap my head around it at all. No, me neither. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. I don't know if that, I things are just so different now. I feel like those types of things, I feel like, yeah, they mostly come from the internet because one that blew my mind, like, Everybody knows the, that old song, Sugar, Sugar, you know? So that was done by the Archies, which it was a completely cartoon band based off Archie comics. And it was the biggest song of 1969. And it was by a cartoon band. So, because I feel like some of my friends had this the Archies album, and I thought it was made by Archie Comics. That's what, yeah, like Archie Comics. And then in the late 60s, there was a Archie cartoon and then the band was part of the cartoon and they would have all these songs in the Got it. in the cartoon. Yeah. And the song, it's actually pretty fun. Like the record is actually pretty fun. There's a lot of good uh, 60s songs on there. I think my friends had it growing up. I think we would listen to it, but but I can't be sure. Yeah. Another thing that was so big of that era, especially maybe later, but in the 90s was like these movie soundtracks. And that's something I was like, obviously like the Judgment Night soundtrack everyone loves because it was like, had all that crossover stuff. But I feel like there were so many, like my first cassette was a cocktail soundtrack, which had like, don't worry, be happy. It had Kokomo. Yeah. I mean, it just had like hit after hit on that soundtrack. Jonah, you gave a speech to Kokomo. Do you remember that? I gave a speech to it. Yeah. Like you were doing a presentation and I remember, cause like once in a while I got to be part of like your reports and stuff. Like when I was the Energizer Bunny in the background of that video you made that one time for school. And remember for school, like you'd have like you had to make like a you were like in the front making a speech about something. Anyways, you gave a speech to something and you played Kokomo in the background. I bet mom and dad would remember it. I just remember because Kokomo was playing so much in our house because you were practicing your speech so much. It was like almost like you were giving like a 
pretend you were like making a pretend ad or something and you were like trying to promote something and then Kokomo was playing in the background. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure I gave them a huge royalty check for that. Yeah, but no, but the, the cocktail soundtrack. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I listened to that thing. So I mean, a tutti frutti on it. Yeah. Don't worry, be happy, which was also such a weird song to become like a huge hit. That was an amazing soundtrack. I didn't realize. I don't remember. Don't worry, be be happy being on that. That's uh, that's funny. Yeah, I just think of Kokomo and uh, well, it was a bit overshadowed by Kokomo. Yeah, we must have listened to that cassette all the time because those songs I associate with each other and I associate with playing in our house at all hours. Tony, what was your first like cassette, or do you remember? Yeah, I like music was always a huge deal in my house because my dad played drums, and so I just kind of grew up grew up around all that stuff so like but my my memory of like the first tape that like you know i specifically was like can i get this was weird al in 3d which is the one that had eat it on it and then you also performed with weird al at one point is that true yeah i still don't believe that that happened yeah that was uh, a, a life highlight. Yeah, I say the 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 braid. Yeah, two very different things. Like the braid thing was huge for me, and then the Weird Al thing was just like I literally started to tear up toward the end of the song when playing with Weird Al. <laughs> yeah, it was just this variety show that uh, my friends Ben Acker and Ben Blacker had put on out here. Uh, they had written a Star Wars book, so this was like the one of like childhood me. It's perfect to fit in here with the show. If I had told myself this when I was a kid, that one day, on the same day, I uh, get to play with Weird Al. And the reason for this variety show was because uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker had just written a Star Wars book. And they were it was a show uh, to celebrate the release of this book. And in the book, they named a bird after me in this Star Wars book. <laughs> so I became canonized in Star Wars and got to play with Weird Al on the same day. Wow. That's that's huge for for little Tony, I'm sure. Oh yeah, it's huge for Big Tony. <laughs> for Big Tony. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say we got to meet Weird Al when he did Sound Advice, our web series. He's like the nicest man alive. Oh my god, he was so nice. He was so nice. He was. I remember him saying like he was like you. You guys had a car for me. I could have just like walked here. I live right around the corner. I was like, yeah. Can you just like walk down the street being Weird Al? <laughs> like he's the nicest. Yeah, that does not surprise me. I because I weirdly crossed paths with him not i'm not gonna say regularly but like we weirdly have some mutual friends and so like i'll run into him sometimes at things and he always remembers my name and it blows my mind yeah he will say hi to me what What, what's what's happening here what is this um well yeah we'll we're gonna go to a quick commercial and we'll be right back with tony thaxton Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. Uh, Tony, I don't know how to segue into this, so I'm going to just jump in. Before we get to our topic, <laughs> you know what I'm going to talk about. And it's so weird is that I was recently actually talking about this story with our friend Brian Diaz, and I made a reference to it, and he immediately knew what I was talking about. And it is about your run-in at a book signing at an airport with George Went from Cheers. So this was, I believe, 2009. Uh, Motion City had played some shows in Chicago, and it was like right before Christmas. Uh, and so I'm at O'Hare getting ready to fly home. And my flight got delayed. So I'm kind of killing some time at the airport. And right by my gate, there is a one of the bookstores at the airport. So I'm just kind of killing time looking around at the bookstore. And I up on the wall, there's like a flyer saying, George Went book signing. And it gives a date and a time. And I look at the date. I'm like, wait, that's today. And I look at the time. I'm like, oh, that's like in 10 minutes. And so think about this, though. This was a book signing at the airport past security. (laughs) So the only people that can go to this book signing are people that have tickets for flights. Yeah, around the time. Yeah, exactly. You're really limiting your base. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's so weird and confusing uh and and yeah i was stuck there for a while and i kind of like i remember the time i just kind of turned it into this dumb bit on twitter of just like waiting for the the thing to happen and then then he showed up finally and i was like well i have to go get a book now and get him to sign it and you know we had a brief interaction he was he was perfectly nice but you could tell he was not exactly thrilled to be there oh yeah uh but yeah it's so straight the only possible sense i could make of it is i think he's from chicago 
And maybe he was like going home for Christmas and the, they were like, well, you know, we could do a signing while I'm there. <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. He's he was he did he did some stuff with Second City. Yeah, and I think he might be Jason Sudeikis's cousin or uncle. Uncle. He's Jason's uncle. Yeah. So that they're like Second City people. Yeah, you because you gotta think that George went biography is already kind of a niche book. And then you gotta combine that with people who happen to have flights that day in that gate at that time but yeah I, I for some reason i don't know it's so just so funny to me and i feel like the photo really just worth a thousand words <laughs> yeah it's uh i think about it i can't see him without thinking about that day and uh i was actually just in chicago a few weeks ago and uh walked right past that bookstore and uh fond memories fond memories <laughs> george went was very popular from cheers and um cheers was a really popular show in the 90s. Let's talk about another popular show from the 90s. Tony, today you wanted to talk about something we're very excited to talk about, Muppet Babies. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Now, look, was I thrilled to talk about this? 100% thrilled. You know, those of you who don't know what it is, Jim Henson's Muppet Babies is an American animated television series that aired from September 15th, 1984 to November 2nd, 1991 on CBS. It portrays childhood versions of the Muppets living together in a nursery under the care of a human woman identified only as Nanny, um, who appears in almost every episode, but her face is never visible. Basically, it was an incredible animated series. Why did you want to talk about it, Tony? Well, I am a huge uh, Jim Henson nerd in general. Uh, I think I'm a little bit older than both of you. And so honestly, like just the Muppets, even more so than the Muppet Babies, was a huge, huge part of childhood for me. And... Like, I remember going to see Muppets Take Manhattan in the theater, and that actually is where the Muppet Babies were first introduced, but in in puppet form, though. So, yeah, there was a, a, a flash, well, not a, not a flashback, but like a, a daydreaming kind of thing where uh, Miss Piggy imagines her and, and Kermit and some of the others as babies. I, I loved that scene as a kid. I mean, I loved the movie in general, but I loved that scene as a kid. And then it's funny, you know, time moves so much different when you're a kid, like things feel, have you had these moments of like, you remember something that seemed like it was on forever or something that lasted so long. And then you look it up online and you're like, Oh, that was like a month. Totally. Um, Cause I had this, I remember thinking uh, how much I loved Muppet babies. And then it seemed like years later they did this cartoon. Uh, I looked it up and the movie came out in July. And the cartoon started in September. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I thought they made it sound like because it was like such a popular thing in the movie, that's why the cartoon started. But it seems like that's not quite enough time for that really to be the case. So it seems like they just were probably like, this would be a good cartoon. I don't know if you are aware and we we should talk about the the original series, which is what we wanted. But did you know it's been rebooted on Disney Plus? Yeah. It's all like CG. It's very CG. The song... Well, jo- this is the first thing that Jonah's got a real gripe about. Yeah, so they redid this. Obviously, the original Muppet Baby song, incredible. You know, iconic, amazing, the sort of like 50s song. Also c- kind of dark. I feel like the, the original the Muppet Baby song, um, like when the world looks kind of weird and you wish that you weren't there. 
you know, Kermit starting it out. Um, but yeah, then they redid the song and it's, uh, it's awful. I mean, it's like they totally took away to me, like uh, what everything was great about it. The heart. Should we listen to both of the songs? So is is they is it a completely new theme song or they just redid it? it no, and- it's not completely new. It's like an updated version. I mean, I think they like had to change some stuff because like Miss Piggy said she's really into romance in the original one. I think they were like, yeah, okay, like maybe we can give her an interest that's like a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, they just kind of updated it. But yeah, and I don't like the computer. Like it just looks weird. I haven't, I've only, I basically just know it exists. I haven't actually really seen any of this new version. Let's see if we can play these, the old one and then the new one, just to see how the new one rips it off. Okay, here's the original. It is very 50s. Yeah, that is like a legit song. I mean, like that is like a doo-wop classic to me. Yeah. Okay, now listen to this garbage. Nope. Yeah, just seeing I mean, the look, your faces of disgust. <laughs> well, why, why have this? Why not have the characters saying what they do? Why have this person narrating it? Yeah, yeah. Also, Nanny's voice was like, "Is everything okay?" Like she was so she didn't seem like Nanny to me. Also, to the the thing that they're like describing everyone, and then it's Gonzo's off in a flash. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a new Muppet Baby on the reboot named Summer. What's that about? Yeah. What's that? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do you think they couldn't get the... I mean, it's, it couldn't be they couldn't get the rights to use their voices because they do use Fozzie's voice. No. Yeah. I mean, it would probably be the same. And how does that work with voices? Because, I mean, it's not any of the original people anyways. Yeah. That's the weird part is like we were looking at, at the original. Yeah. So it's totally different people. But in the original one, yeah, it's Dave Coulier is doing so many voices, which I didn't realize. I didn't realize that either. And that is incredible. Dave Coulier from 1986 to 1991 was Baby Animal, Baby Bunsen, Baby Bean Bunny, Baby Janice. Uncle, okay, there's a few of these you wouldn't know, but he was Baby Animal, Baby Bunsen, and Baby, you know. Did you see who else voiced Baby Animal at one point? Howie Mandel. Yeah. Yes. And you know what's so wild? I just had a total flashback. Didn't, I think I was with Motion City at Conan once and Howie Mandel was the guest. <laughs> and, I, yep. this, and this is, okay, so this was so long ago, but I remember this specifically. Everyone in the band was like, we think like Bill Murray's going to be the guest. This is going to be so cool. And then we got there and it's like, oh, it's Howie Mandel. <laughs> yep. Our other guests, it was uh, Howie Mandel and Tom Arnold were the guests we got. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jonah, I would think that you would almost be as big of a Howie Mandel fan as a Bill Murray fan because you were so into... Um... Putting gloves on your head and... <laughs> I know you're going to say Bobby's world. Yeah. Yeah. I was into Bobby's world, but I mean, as an adult, I felt like probably Bill Murray would be kind of like a cooler 
person to share the stage with. I don't know. Right, right, right. But yeah, I didn't realize that he, so he did the voices on it. Howie Mandel was also Baby Skeeter. Yeah, which when when this show started, when I was watching, I was I was weirdly uh, for being however old I was, uh, seven or something like that. I was annoyed at, at Skeeter because Skeeter was a made up character for this show. Oh, right. Was never, never a Muppet. And still, I don't think has ever actually been like a live action Muppet to this day, as far as I know. That's so wild, because I guess because I became familiar with the Muppets so much through Muppet Babies, I always just assumed that Skeeter was was a Muppet. And then um, Barbara Billingsley was Nanny, who was the mom from Leave it to Beaver. She was June Cleaver. Yeah, which I don't think I, or I at least forgot that that was the case. But yeah. I also, do, did you guys have a thing where like when you were a kid, like other kids would be like, I got, there's like one episode where you get to see her face. Probably. I feel like that was like a rumor where I was always like, oh, like I have to see that episode. And also as much as like I understand and respect the fact that they never showed her face, it was frustrating to me. Didn't you always want to see her face? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think it's really interesting how like these voices are just so easy to do that kind of like they can just get anyone to do to do them. (laughs) Okay, here it comes. (laughs) Because I do an incredible Kermit the Frog. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Jonah doesn't. Yeah. And I feel like I could voice Kermit the Frog on this show. Okay, let's Jonah. I would I would love for Tony to hear your Kermit the Frog. Um, It feels a lot of pressure now. Do you want me to ask a question to Kermit the Frog? Sure. Yeah. Ask Kermit first. Um, Kermit, how's your day going? Well, my name is Kermit the Frog. (laughs) It's harder for me to say things other than Kermit the Frog. (laughs) But I think it's pretty good. It's really good. It's really good. But yeah, but it does seem like throughout these... these throughout these series they change really the moving pe- past it okay <laughs> what's that <laughs> nothing i was just saying you're moving past it really quickly but go ahead yeah well but- no I'm, I'm no this is tied into what i'm saying because it does feel like they're just like oh you do voice acting can you do this muppet like these are just like well these are some really hot names though <laughs> right <laughs> but i mean they're not like we need to reboot like muppet babies in 2018 like we have to get dave coulier to do it right yeah also though too if you if you really listen to the voices compared to the original Muppet live-action uh, puppets. They're, you know, they're ballpark. Like, and again, I know they're they're supposed to be younger versions of stuff, and like, but yeah, they're not... Some of the voices are a little, a little weird. Quite as, yeah. I've never done the comparison, but I totally believe that, that to be true. Well, and I also think, just going back to the song for a second, I, I wonder if... You know, they changed, they updated the song to make it match kind of more with like how cartoons and that stuff sounds now. And also, if you listen to the original Muppet Baby song, it is like a little, they have every Muppet's voice in there, but it is like slightly hard to understand what they're saying. Where if they, if they just have like one woman being like, likes to ski and goes to this and that and that, like it's like you can understand her, even though she's like maybe not your favorite. It's like very clear what is being said. Well, what's wild to think about is like, so this cartoon book came out in like 84. So like this song is clearly like referencing like 50s doo-wop which is like, you know, 30 years before. And so like this new cartoon, 2018, like that's like 30 years later, you know, referencing that song is like, it's like referencing the 50s and the 80s. It's really crazy to think about. Yeah, they definitely tried to make it very modern sounding, though. 
Yeah. I, I definitely see what they were trying to do. I find that whole modern cartoon, I know it's not for me as a 42-year-old guy, but I find the animatronic and that whole sensibility to just, it doesn't work for me. I feel like cartoons were just way better in the 80s and 90s. I, was, I wanted to add, you were talking about not seeing Nanny's face ever. I have this memory of being in second grade and there was a day that we were we were doing this thing where everybody would start a drawing and then it would like get passed along to like the person you sit next to and then it would just move around the room and everybody would add to the drawing. And I started my drawing and it was a Muppet Babies drawing. And then by the time it got back to me, someone added Nanny, but they drew like her entire body. And you like you could see more than the legs, and I was very upset about this. Oh my god! What other kind of cartoons were you into around that 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 era, Tony? The golden era, as I, I like to say. I definitely was watching a fair amount, but like weirdly, none have like really made a long lasting impact on me. I know that like I definitely watched Gummy Bears. I think you had to get. Did you have to get the? You had to get like. You had to pay for the channel that Gummy Bears was on, right? No, because this was like uh, early, early mid '80s still. So, like, okay, I don't even think my family had cable yet at that point, or like had just gotten it. So, like, I'm pretty sure it was like just a normal Saturday morning cartoon. Okay, I think it is. At some point, they put it behind a paywall, but yeah, <laughs> I know they're on Disney Plus now. Great theme song on that one too, sung by John Williams's son, which I learned recently. That is a great theme song. Yes. Oh, yeah. It goes like this. Gummy bears flying here and there and everywhere. Lot of bunches of young compare. We are the gummy bears. Yeah, that's it. I think this was syndicated, not a Saturday morning cartoon, but the, like one of the biggest other things for me in childhood was Mask. Oh, yeah. Remember this? I remember Mask. Not the not the share and uh, what's his name movie. But yeah, this was a uh, yeah cartoon worth. It's so funny. I was so into it. And now... As I started to try and explain what it was to people, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I I don't remember that one, but t- just to go back to Muppet Babies really quickly, were there specific episodes that you really remember? Because when we started talking about this, I remember specifically the one about being afraid of the dark. Like Beaker is afraid of the dark and he sleeps over. And I found out it's the second episode of all time. It was season one, episode two. So I must have seen it on a repeat because I was like three... <laughs> when it came out but like it it really there there's like a monster and they're like teaching skeeter or uh beaker how to not be because their their names are really similar how to not be scared of the dark there's like this monster and i remember it being really scary and then i realized i realized that a lot of the episode that could have also been other episodes too that i found to be scary just because the thing that was so unique about muppet babies was that they would show like live action like you would open a door and it would be like a Star Wars movie or something like like the real movie. And so that stuff sometimes I feel like was kind of scary. So I just remember like not being scared to watch the show, but I remember several episodes being scary. Yeah, I remember that too. Well, we watched this this episode recently where Dave Coulier and like Whoopi Goldberg and stuff are in the the like live action versions of them are in the the Muppet Babies cartoon, which is so weird to watch. Yeah, I need to check that out. I didn't get a chance to look at that one. But yeah, I definitely remember the live action stuff being like a lot of movie. Yeah, Star Wars and like Indiana Jones stuff being thrown in. And yeah, and I remember loving that about it as a kid. Like anything like you throw Star Wars in anything and I'm going to get super excited. But yeah, I, I weirdly for as much as I watch this, 
I couldn't really remember a lot of specific episodes, but then Vanessa, you did send that, the one you were just talking about, and I watched a little bit of it and I did, it was familiar to me. And like, especially when they went into the song, I like totally remembered the song. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that show must, would be really expensive, I think, to make now because I wonder what, like to pay for the rights for those different like all the different stuff that they showed, unless it was like all owned by like the same parent company or something. Well, I did read, well, I think it was just things were a little more loose back then, but I did read something online saying that uh, it's never been released on DVD. And that's kind of probably the big reason why is because a lot of that stuff is, yeah, super heavily copyrighted. Wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that was so much stuff in that era, I feel like. Like that was a big thing, I think, with like, when they re-released the Wonder Years because they had so much Beatles and all that music from like kind of like the 60s in there. And I think like they couldn't, I think when they re-released on DVD, they had to take all that music out. And I think it kind of affects the show a lot. Yeah, totally. I'm sure. I remember that being a big thing with the state when they finally put the state out on DVD. That was like all the music was different. And yeah, which some of that same thing, like didn't totally change it, but there was like a lot of, I watched that so much when I was a teenager. So like some of those songs that were like in the sketches were so ingrained in my brain. And then to see it with something else was so strange. Yeah, that is wild. Cause I'm just thinking of like the breeders and all that stuff. I wonder if they were able to leave that stuff in. I think pretty much all the music was changed. Wow. I think. Yeah. That's crazy. Tony, have you ever, um, any songs that you've played on been in any kind of, things from your childhood or anything that that you've or any tv shows you like or anything like that i'm sure you've had you know a lot of syncs in your day music synchronization not like kitchen sinks sorry i'm using some some music biz biz terminology i don't think so the stuff our music has been in has been like really like just weird movies that kind of came and went that nobody really cared much about uh unless you guys want to talk about hotel for dogs um yeah i guess i would (laughs) I think we actually do want to talk about Hotel for Dogs, Tony. Could you give us a little bit of uh, Give us the log line. It's a hotel and dogs live there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I believe Don Cheadle's in there somewhere. Okay. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's about all I remember. And we also had a song in the trailer for Firehouse Dog. A lot of dog movies we got affiliated okay, with. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I never really associated your band with dogs, but I guess now it, it's it's picking that up. It's, you know. So, Firehouse Dog, so it's a dog. Give us a log line. <laughs> it's a dog who runs a firehouse? Yeah. He's... Works at a firehouse. <laughs> no, I think he was in charge. I have no, I, yeah, no idea. That was only a trailer. So, I never saw more than the trailer of that one. Okay. Okay. I got the one sentence logline for Hotel for Dogs. Okay. A group of kids secretly turn a vacant hotel into a shelter for stray dogs. Hell yeah. That sounds like an awesome movie that we should all check out. Yeah, definitely. Check it out. Check it out. I'm sure you can rate a PG. So I'm sure um, it's good good fun for all ages. Yeah. So you have a song in this movie at some point? Is there, it's like a, a dog running somewhere or something? I. It's been so long. I, I remember it was some sort of party scene. Uh, I think it was like uh, teenagers having a party, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember beyond that. This was a live action movie, by the way. This was not just a, an animated thing. I just like literally. I don't think we've had anything in any sort of animated. Uh, nothing's coming to mind. No, it's a boring answer. Well, with the exception of Hotel for Dogs. No, it's not a boring answer. answer at all. I mean, and I think our, our listeners are going to really appreciate checking out Lisa Kudrow and Don Cheadle in, in probably their most memorable roles in Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. 
Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, we are back. Now, Tony, we would like to play a little bit of a game with you at this at this moment. We call it Back to the Present. Joan and Vanessa, we've got to go back to the present! You know, it's a hilarious take on nostalgic Back to the Future film franchise, the title is. And um, in this segment, we are going to each get to say something from our childhood that we wish would come back. So to give you a little bit of time to think, we're going to go first. And you can think of what you want to talk about. And and remember, there's there's no wrong answers. Okay. Okay. So, Jonah, um, what did you want to talk about today on Back to the Present? Well, I was thinking about this, and I actually talked to some friends about it last night from Cleveland. When I was growing up in Cleveland, there was this thing called the Cleveland Mosh Line. And you would call this this phone number and it was a pre-recorded message that were like all the heavy music, like the punk and hardcore metal shows in Cleveland. And it was run by this organization that I remember called the Cleveland Mosh Team. And they would <laughs> go to shows and wear these Mosh Team t-shirts. And this was like the 90s and they were just like super into moshing. And they were like a, a group. And I found this 
DRI shirt that was made for them online. And it said that the mosh team's mission was, quote, to help each other out in the mosh pit, get fallen people up off the floor, put people up to crowd surf, to stage dive with style like backflips and such, to put an end to stupid violence and to resolve all pit disputes without fighting. Um, and I just find this to just be so, so incredible and just like such a 90s thing of like, mashing just kind of became a thing and then everyone did it. It's just, it's just so fascinating to me that these guys were so into just mosh culture because <laughs> you don't really hear about it anymore. And I asked my friends and I was like, do you guys remember that? And they said, yeah, of course. My friend Doan said this, which is like the, also the most nice thing ever. He said, I used to call the mosh line when I was a kid. So my girlfriend would call and she would call in the call waiting. So the phone wouldn't ring at night. You remember that? Like you'd have to like be on the phone so that it wouldn't ring like a wake up your parents. So they'd like call on call waiting. So you'd be like on the phone with someone. So you'd be listening to the mosh line. The mosh line would be like Megadeth's coming. And then uh, and then if someone called, you could click over to call waiting without the phone ringing because you're already on the phone. So I think that's what he's saying. But yeah, he said the guy who ran it was called himself the pit master, which I don't remember. Um, and he said he was a <laughs> guy with long curly hair who was shirtless and moshing a lot. Yeah, this guy sounds like a real winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what the what the pit master is doing now, but I do remember like I just think there's something really uh funny about just like calling a phone number to find out about concerts also <laughs> look I, I, by the way i feel bad that i made fun of the pit master without ever <laughs> well i mean i do think they had you know a pretty positive message yeah they're into helping each other out in the pit yeah get falling people off the floor that's so great i also love that the, that the last thing they say is to resolve all pit disputes without fighting because i just wonder like pretty much the main pit dispute is like you landed on my head or you pushed me and like how do you sort of resolve that like i guess you're like okay like what's your side of the story like we're all moshing here like also also it's like this is in the middle of like a super loud concert uh, just so much about this to me is just so incredible also again they said it's to stage dive and then in parentheses with style like backflips and such it's like, <laughs> who says it's such? And then goes and moshes. But I mean, they're anti-violent, so that's good because I think the pits could be pretty violent, these shows, especially in that era. And uh, yeah, I just remember seeing guys in these mosh team shirts and thinking it was really cool. And I feel like that's just not a thing you see anymore shows. And I, uh, you know, I, personally, I'm not, I think I'm beyond my moshing days are, are far behind me. But I say bring back the, the Cleveland mosh team. Yes. And uh let them kind of be, you know, in charge of making sure the pit is a safe place. You know, it looks like they still exist. And look, it's there's a website, and is is it well kept up? No, uh, the website has a lot of the writing that just comes with the website before you've actually filled it in. Yeah, like a lot of placeholding going on in this website, and not shocking, but we. You know, I do think at, at the time it was probably really helpful in the because you know there wasn't really internet. And so, like, in the same way that I would sometimes call this one line to find out what the weather was. Sure. Different. But, like, you know, you couldn't just go on your phone and, and like, look it up. So, like, you had to know where the hottest mosh shows were where you could mosh and do backflips and such. <laughs> yeah. I think they had ads in the paper, like, in the local paper, like, the weekly with all the shows were, like, the mosh line. Call the mosh line. And so, um, let's bring back the mosh line. Let's bring back the mosh team. Let's just have everyone moshing in a safe way, maybe post COVID probably moshing, not the best thing to be doing right now, but once things are, are, you know, safe again, let's mosh in a safe way and let's have people who are 
passionate about moshing, you know, be involved with it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's mine. Uh, Vanessa, what did you pick for Back to the Present? I hope you didn't also pick the mosh team. No, I didn't. And you know, I was, I knew that that was yours and somehow yours got me thinking about my topic, which I don't now really see the connection. But the thing that I remember that I really would love to bring back, even though again, it still exists, but it isn't as popular is Swatch Watches. I don't know if you guys were had Swatch Watches, were big Swatch Watch fans, but you know, they were these cool watches that were kind of plastic. They were um, originally made by this uh, Swiss watchmaker. They were founded in 1983. And basically I was doing some research on them and they were like, They were intended as casual, disposable accessories. And the thing that really kind of set them apart is that they like were like, how do we set ourselves apart? And then they were like, what if we do like really fun? We keep it like the $30 watch, but we do like really fun designs and, and stuff like that. And so... Because they did that, you know, it it just there was just a craze of the, for these watches. People loved them. They started pairing up with like different artists and making like specific like artist related watches. There were Cabbage Patch um, watches, limited edition. This article says they were the fashion equivalent of Beanie Babies. They they just they really. I'm just going through my notes here. They just had like incredible designs and. And they were kind of accessible to everybody. I definitely had one. You did? What was yours? I on, I don't remember much about it. I, I remember it being white and then, you know, the act, the, the band was white and then the, the actual watch part was just colorful. Like, I, I don't really remember specifics of it, but I definitely remember having one. And do you, do you remember the, the, I think they called them the, the Swatch Guards? Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah, it was like a, it was almost like a just like it was like basically just like a rubber band that went on the top of it that was supposed to protect it. Oh yeah, I feel like our cousin Mia had that with this guard. That's such a it's like just another thing for you to buy to protect it. Yeah. Do you remember? So I my first phone that I ever got. Oh, that's what it was. It was because we were talking about pho- the Cleveland Mosh line. Got me thinking of my first phone, which was a Swatch phone. And it was the clear phone that you could use both sides of it, like both the bottom part of it and the top part of it worked as the phone. So like you could like talk or listen through either side. And it, I think it, the moment I got it was broken and we had to like return it or something. But um, maybe I think exchange it. So don't worry. But I had a swatch phone that like was clear and you could like I'm sure a lot of it was like unnecessary, but like you could see all the like wires and the like insides of like what makes a phone. Those were huge. Those clear phones in the the 80s and early 90s, I think. Yeah, I feel like everybody had one of those at some point. Yeah, I don't even know if I ever had a Swatch watch, but I had a Swatch phone. And then my friend Jenny Pastel's sister had a Swatch clock, which I don't know if you remember these. They like look like a huge Swatch watch. She had one in her room and I remember looking at it and being like, oh, okay, this is the coolest person on the planet. (laughs) 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 I guess I I hope I can even get close to Katie Pastel one day. I really was obsessed with the, the clock and actually I've looked it up recently and you can still buy all of this stuff. Like, I don't know about the phone, but you can still buy Swatch watches. You can still buy a Swatch clock for your wall, which... 
Jonah, the holidays are coming up. I know. Out. Well, I'm looking at these. They also have a whole line of peanut swatches right now, but they're... Whoa. Uh, 125 bucks is, is... For the watch? Yeah, for the watch. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like a thing now. I think there's like there's like super limited ones and stuff. Like, I think there's like a big like collector scene and everything with them, I think. Yeah. It looks like you can design your own swatch now also. Well, it looks like... I mean, I was looking at this and it says, even though... It says the, the company's seen a decline in sales over the years because of the rise of smartwatches like the Apple Watch. <laughs> you can see it. Uh, and Fitbit continue to eat into their marketing share. Affection for the brand is unlikely to disappear entirely anytime soon. In 2015, listen to this. One of the world's largest collection of swatches, 5,800 pieces, went for sale and ultimately fetched $6 million. Now, I thought I saw the six million before I saw that it was for fifty eight hundred watches. <laughs> that feels like, but a Kiki Picasso swatch, one of a very limited one hundred and twenty one pieces total, sold for twenty eight thousand in nineteen ninety two. Okay, none of these are that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I, I remember too is I had uh, like the X swatch was like really big. Like that was like represent the, the straight edge community. You had a swatch, like a straight edge swatch? No, I had a knockoff one. But there's one on sale for on eBay right now, like a 1988 Swatch X that's $438. And it says here they became, they're super rare. They became very close to the American straight edge movement. And so, yeah, it was like a big thing if you were straight edge, if you had like the 80s X Swatch that was like part of the culture in a big way. That feels so ironic to me that like these like hardcore punk guys are wearing swatch watches. Yeah, yeah. They were super collectible because they had like, they were white with like a big black X on them. And yeah. That's so funny. And I'm sure when Swatch made them, they just made them because they were like, let's put a big X in the middle and like, and and a bunch of kids will buy it and then a bunch of straight edge. Yeah, no, but it was like, if someone was like, if someone had like an original X watch, you're like, whoa, that guy has like, these are like really hard to find. This is like a status thing. Wow. And you found a knockoff one? Yeah, yeah. You can easily get one. I mean, it's just, it's just a watch with an X on it. I mean, yeah. So there's, yeah, they're, they're I think they're widely knocked off. Okay. Well, I probably saw a bunch of them and never even knew what a cool dude I was talking to that was wearing it. It's possible. It's really possible. Like my brother. Just kidding. Always knew you were cool, Jonah. And Tony, what is your thing? I think I got to, you know, kind of go extra selfish here and uh, try to go for uh, fitting in with what I was talking earlier about the, uh, you know, like celebrity albums and all of that. Like I... You know, I, I feel like they still exist to an extent, but like not in like the late 70s, early 80s, and then into the 90s a bit. Like anybody that was famous at all, it seemed like at least had a single that they put out. And uh, it, whether that be as themselves or sometimes it would be in character as somebody they were famous for playing or whatever. And like, again, I feel like that still exists to an extent, but like, I would love to see those ridiculous things make more of a comeback. Cause it's just, I don't know how it's crazy that people just would buy that stuff back then. Yeah. Like anybody could put out an album. There's, there's multiple Scott Bayo albums. I was going to say, so you're talking about like non singer, you're talking about like just celebrities yes. putting out. So what are some other examples of that? that you, Of ones that actually exist? That, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, ones, especially that I've done episodes on, there's Bruce Willis. Um, wow. Scott Bayo. There's a Joe, there's actually, one before he was famous and then one later 
when he was famous, but it's more in character. It was Joe Pesci. Now, what are they doing on the albums? Are they singing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All these people are singing. Yeah. And like every now and then some of them are like, oh, this one isn't. They're more fun when they're not good. But every now and then they'll have like, you know, a lot of legit songwriters and then it'll be like be done well enough where it's like, okay, this is at least passable. But then sometimes it's like, wow, this was like really just a cash grab. And this person is terrible. Like, you know, shocker, Scott Bayo, not very good. Tony, what, what do you think? What do you think a George went album would sound like? <laughs> oh man. Well, you know that the, the you know, all the songs are going to be about beer, of course. Right, right, right. That's, that's going to be like the whole, that would be the whole shtick. Oh, and by the way, I'll give you guys uh, one guess what he wrote in the book that I got. <laughs> I think I know what it's going to be. What, and that guess is? Cheers. There you go. Got it. Wow. Who, If you could have anyone celebrity like currently put out an album, Tony, who, who would you who would you pick? Currently. I know because I was like I was initially sort of thinking like it, when it started fading away, like I was thinking of like this isn't current, but uh I was thinking if if it, if like the Sopranos had happened like ten years earlier, yeah, right. I feel like there would have been like a Sopranos album with like all the characters like in character doing stupid songs like that. Man, currently though, I feel like I'm so I'm so like out of I again I've become so old now and I'm like what is even. Are the kids still watching MASH? I know. I know. I keep thinking about like a modern family. I'd like never even watch it. I'm like, is that a current show? That's not even a current show anymore, is it? <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's I think that's done now. Yeah. But it has to ha- be like, I feel like there are always these kind of sitcom shows, which is like not really as much of a thing anymore. Yeah. What even are sitcoms now? Are there sitcoms now? There are. I think there are. I would love to hear, remember our friend Jonah from Blossom, Jenna Von Oy? She would do a great, would love to. Oh, she is a singer. She's a singer. She's a, she lives in Nashville and is a singer. So actually that's doable. Cool. Well, that's one. I'm trying to think of other people. I mean, also Maya Bialik, Blossom. Well, because and Joey Lawrence did have an album. Oh my God. That remember. Okay. Oh, right. Sorry. You've you've brought up something I love. (laughs) Do you remember that his song? Nothing my love can't fix for you, baby. Yeah. And the, the video premiered at the end of an episode of Blossom where it's like, he was like, was he, was it when he's dreaming or something? I don't remember the specifics, but it's like him on a playground roller play. It's like the most nineties thing. It's him on a playground rollerblading with a bunch of either one or a bunch of women. Like, but they're all just like rollerblading around the playground. (laughs) Very, uh, probably very inexpensive video to make, but, um, (laughs) but, but yeah, nothing my love can't fix for you, baby. And it played at the end. It was so, it was so funny. It played at the end of Blossom. You know, I, I talk about this a lot in this podcast. I still watch General Hospital and um, there's a, like there's kind of like a young star on it and it's clearly he wants to launch his music career and they had a thing where they like let him play guitar and like do a good and it it reminded me of that episode of blossom where it's like it's like you know when you're watching it as like a kid or whatever you're like oh like cool they play a song and then 
as an adult, I'm like, their agent was like, he'll only stay on the show. He's He's got a music career now. He's only going to stay on the show if you let him promote his music on the show. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> I'm so much more like jaded about that stuff. And I'm sure it was like, Joey's got a career and see, like, like we want to sign the contract. We just want to know that we get to play his video on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, I think this character of Joey Lawrence's agent is, could be a really good one for you. <laughs> You know what I'm shocked did not ever have an album is Saved by the Bell. They did have the band that released the songs School is a Boy. Yeah, but I but I don't think they ever actually like released anything. What was that band called? The Zack Attacks. Yeah, the Zack Attack. School is a boy when we're stuck in door. Make it fun, put it out in the sun. Have a thing seat. Let us burn while we learn. And then also, oh, Jonah, what are you going to say? Well, that I was going to say. And then they had, well, they sort of did have the spinoff show, California Dreams, which was basically a band. And by the way, Tony, I don't know if you know this, but our friend. Incredible. You do know this. Stephen Smith, our friend, was on an episode of California Dreams two episodes and actually maybe three has has a mug from the rap party that that he gave Vanessa which is one of her prized possessions I could bring it out right now it's in my kitchen I use it all the time first I wasn't using it because it's from the California dreams rap party as Jonah said and I don't I'm like this is a collector's item but I but now I use it because it's fun to drink out of it and it's so funny Stephen plays like a or our friend Stephen Smith who just turned 50 years old. So happy birthday, Stephen. Happy birthday, oh, Stephen. Happy birthday, Stephen. Plays like a full, like kind of like a dope, <laughs> like just like a like cool, dude, like a surfer dude kind of a guy. And like, I just remember one of the episodes, he's just like, has like a super soaker and is like running around like being an idiot. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I knew he was on it, but I've never seen the actual episodes. I need to find those. Are they on YouTube? Do you know? Like the ones he's we on? We found him. Well, at one point we found him. We found him. him at one point. I bet we could find he's him. He's been on some really... I mean, this is getting way off topic, but uh, yeah, he's been on some incredible 90s. He was on an episode of Sliders, I believe. Do you remember that show? It's like a space show. Or it's about small. It's about small hamburgers. <laughs> It was kind of like a Quantum Leap-esque show with Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, It was yeah. like a sci-fi uh, fantasy show. But yeah, that, I feel like that era, that was like a big genre. Uh, real quick, I just, I, I if I may share this super fast, I also have a mug that I don't ever want to use because I'm scared I'll break it. It's one of my favorite things I've ever found. Found it in Japan on tour once. And it's like a, a real licensed item from the mid-80s. And it is it is literally a picture of Michael Jackson and E.T. And it says, best friends. Wow. <laughs> and again, it's like officially licensed, thing, like because there's like copyright info on the bottom and everything. Like, it's wonderful. And I just like, I can't break this mug. I can't risk breaking this mug ever. Oh, I might want to break it now. but <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's the unfortunate thing is <laughs> what we now, yeah, you know. But anyway, so the thing you would want to bring back is is celebrity albums, celebrities who have no right to be just singing. Yes, I love that. And I think we, we should start a petition to get George Went to put out an album because I really <laughs> do want to want to hear this. I think we'd really bring this episode full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. The George Went album <laughs> or even a, a whole Cheers album, like each character gets their own song. Like, come on, a Cliff Clavin song. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to explain that to someone who's never seen the show? I feel like, yeah, it's all these people. They just sat around a bar and talked. It's a great show. Ted Danson's on it. Well, 
Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Where where can people find you? I know you've got several podcasts. Let's, let's uh, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. You know, I'll always be posting my stuff there. Yeah, my podcast Bizarre Albums comes out every Tuesday. Oh, and by the way, I just want to add to uh, I tell the stories on those, and I, it's never in a uh, I'm never making fun of them. Like I'm legitimately just fascinated by them, and I just want to like talk about them. So just like throwing that in there. And then yeah, I'm the on air producer for Allison Rosen is your new best friend that comes out twice a week. And yeah, and then yeah. Uh, you said all the stuff earlier, Joan. I also play in Don't Stop or We'll Die, a very, very silly band uh, with Paul Rust and Michael Cassidy, who you may know from Love, which... I didn't yeah, know that. Which, yeah, I know you were on Love and you know those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been playing with those guys for a few years now. And uh, actually, we have a, uh, a new record coming out on... What's the name of the record? You know what? That's a great question that I can't remember the answer to right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and if you're in LA and you need a drummer, Tony, fantastic drummer, you should you should get in touch with him. Thank you, John. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming by, Tony. Check out all Tony's music and podcasts. And yeah, we will be back again next week where we'll be discussing more cultural milestones from our childhood, such as Muppet Babies, right? Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Beautiful. We'll see you next week. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.